Um, this is Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest right now is uh, Mr. Kim Thompson from uh, Fanographics, uh, the co-publisher with Gary Groth. Groth, I, why did I say that? It's because I've been reading a lot of Alex Toth lately. Uh, let me start out fresh. Uh, this is Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. Uh, my guest today is uh, Kim Thompson, along with, uh, well, he is with uh, Gary Groth. He's the publisher of Fanographics. Kim specifically is, uh, I guess, the, the key force behind the current reprints of one of my favorite cartoonists of whom I have not read enough comics by, uh, Jacques Tardy, and that's the reason we're talking today. Did yes, I get it's a pleasure to be here. Did I get the pronunciation right? Uh, I think it's Tardy. Tard- okay. Well, I'll just... I, tardy, 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 either one is good. Uh, it's, uh... I'm just in my uh, first course of French at school right now, so yeah. next it's year, awesome. get it right. Honestly, the whole, the whole pronunciation deal with that, I figure that uh, uh, every country should pronounce this, uh, the name as they see fit. I mean, <laughs> I always feel that Americans who say Tintin are kind of obnoxious. You know, for Americans, it's Tintin, and it can be Jack Tardy, that's fine. There we go. Um, I guess we'll start out with, how did you get into Tardy, and what sort well, of... Well, I was... Uh, as, as a comics reader, I was living in Europe in the 1960s and 1970s. So I was actually there firsthand when uh, Tardy and his generation started publishing in uh, places like the Two Up magazine. Uh, so I was aware of them from the very beginning. I was reading the, the serializations of uh, the Edward Blanchet material and the earlier stuff. So I've been a Tardy fan for, oh God, uh, at this point, you know, over like 35 years or so. <laughs> So it's nothing new. I mean, I've been a fan of his for 35 years, and I've wanted to publish his work for at least 25. As long as you've been publishing. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. It's, it's been a long haul. I mean, in, in fact, my, my slogan on this new project has been, better tardy than never. No. Although the fact is, we actually did publish the tardy before this. Uh, in the 1980s, we serialized one of his detective stories, uh, one of the Layer My Lay books in a graphic story monthly, and we serialized the another detective story, uh, the one called uh, Griffur, uh, which was actually written by Jean-Pierre Monchet, who's one who uh, wrote the novel on which one of his new books was based uh, in the uh, 1990s, and that was in Pictopia. So we made a few attempts at it beforehand, but this is our first all-out actual album launch. Now, that the character in that story, um, he's appeared in other stuff, hasn't he? The uh, Pictopia. Uh, the the Pictopia one. No, no, that was a one-off. Okay. Um, in fact, I can I can loop around and give you some some history. Uh, there is a, a there was a very fine uh, writer called Jean-Patrick Mosquet. Uh, he actually died about a decade ago. And as part of his uh, career during the 70s, he did about 10 really first-rate noir crime thrillers. And uh, as he was doing that, he was friends with Tardy, and he actually wrote. Uh, which is the one that appeared in the Pictopia as a graphic novel for Tardy to illustrate. Okay. Uh, so that's where that came from. Now, you... And, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, I don't want to, like, Tardy, it seems like there's a lot of different work to him, even though it, it, it is a lot of stuff we're probably familiar with, our North American readers, is mostly crime noir. But he does do weird other stuff. I mean, there's one of the big important one is the... Yeah, he does, he does a lot of work, and actually, uh, it has been sporadically published in the U.S. here and there. 
uh, I mean, he's probably best known in, in Europe for the Adel Blancsec series, mm-hmm. uh, the early, uh, the certainly early part of the 20th century, and it's these uh, sort of Thuriad-type uh, thriller science fiction adventure stories. Uh, in fact, I understand that Newton's still getting ready to make a series of movies about it. And there's a period in Cheval Noir, I think in the 90s or even the late 80s, and MBM published a couple of collections of those, so those are out there. Uh, there was also the, uh, the story Roach Killer, which MBM put out, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, a, a noir thriller, but a little bit somehow more urban contemporary. It's not quite in the genre. And, uh, and people who followed Raw Magazine back in the 80s would have seen... Um, Manhattan. The, uh, Manhattan, exactly. Uh, and also, uh, Raw did publish uh, a chapter of uh, the uh, War of the Trenches, World War I serial. Uh, which, uh, just to, to give you an idea, I mean, this was in 1983, 1984, and I actually translated that back then. So it's been a long time coming. It was exciting when I was translating it uh, uh, now again, because we're going to release that as a third book uh, next year. As I got to that point, and I had eight pages that were already given to me, I just had to, like, you know, recopy my translations from 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it held up, too, I had to say. Well, I, I was reading... I had to tweak it. I noticed on the uh, comic store message, message board you're discussing um, the translating the War of the Trenches, um, mm-hmm. and, and one of them was the the Cooties reference. So then I actually saw that I sat down and read all the the, the tardy I have, uh, and that was in one of the um, the drawing quarterly specials that that Cootie reference. Oh, that's true. Did they did they translate the Cooties? They translate as Cooties. Ah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a, it's a judgment call because it immediately really makes you sound like uh, you know like a seventeen-year-old, you know, a high school student. It's just uh, taken on that, uh, but it, it is the correct word. So it's one of those little translation cul-de-sacs that uh, uh, can be a problem. Well, would it be would it be something like bed bugs? Yeah, yeah. Although it's different. I mean, I mean, I mean, Cootie specifically life. He's talking about life. Okay. But, uh, I'm probably going to take some liberties and basically I'll you know, choose whatever, you know, uh, you know, obnoxious insect is there and just replace it. Uh, my, my philosophy of translating always has been, you know, if it sounds weird, then choose something that's close to it that doesn't sound as weird. Uh, I've had another case where uh, they, uh, they give a list of, like, you know, modern weaponry at the time, you know, that was really awful. And one didn't translate very well, I'm just probably going to sneak in and translate uh, and replace it with something else because as long as the meaning of uh, the actual intended the author is there. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was actually working with the Siegelman and Francois Mouly there, uh, Art said something that stuck in my mind, he said, is that I always try, rather than translating it, is I try to write it the way the author was written, it was written, writing in English to begin with. Mm-hmm. And that philosophy, I think, has served me well. Well, it's really fast. I hope. It, well, I think that's really important for people to kind of recognize, because I remember once, um, and this really tr- relate to Tardy, is... I was trying to read a copy of uh, Death in the Installment Plan, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. The writing was so horrible. I'm like, well, this shouldn't mm-hmm. be, right? I mean, Celine's supposed to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to the bookstore, and I saw a different translation. Like, well, this reads so much more fluidly. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a huge difference. Uh, the West Coast Blues, to bring it back to, you know, subject at hand, the first one that mm-hmm. released, was actually released in an English-language uh, version uh, called The Three to Kill. And uh, I bought myself a copy with the intent, basically, of using that as a follow-up. And I had this concern, you know, that, you know, this is this was like a professional translator for a real publishing house, and uh, I'm going to do my little translation. I'm going to go and look at his. I'm going to, like, be tempted to steal half it because he'll have come up with much better solutions. And I, I did mine. I read his, and 
this is just completely awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so so literal minded, so clunky, and I just like and and I, I thought it was you know, my my own ego getting away. I, I handed it to uh, to Gary, and he read the first chapter. And he said, "This is like terrible. This guy's a good writer." And I said, "No, no, he he really is a good writer. It's just the translation is bad." Yeah. And uh, so I was able to completely ignore that. But that was good. <laughs> Saved you a lot. And it gave me a little bit a little bit more faith in mine and. Uh, and I haven't had some actually really good uh, direct feedback on it because uh, although the writer Mosquette is uh, dead, his son, who is perfectly bilingual uh, and works a lot as a translator, so he, his English is flawless, that's in the copy, and he was delighted with it. He said, you know, I pretty much nailed it. So uh, I'm, I'm going to pull him off the son, I'll take that. No. It, was, it, was a, it was a fun job to do. There's, uh, uh, noir, noir writing is really probably some of the fun stuff to translate just because I love profanity and I love uh, the... Uh, the really bleak humor of it, and I love the succinctness of it. Well, the West so Coast, the West Coast blues is sure steeped in the uh, the profanity and the and the visuals. I love the the character, the fat naked guy reading the Playboy at the beginning of the book. It's just like so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't it's, know. It's a very strong book. It's uh, it's uh, I, I get the impression that this sort of like late minor tardy uh, in, in in France, but uh, as more I got into it, the more I thought that it's a uh, it's a fantastic original novel, and he did a really sensational job on it. And I love, I love its current style. It's just, uh, it has that loose, complete confidence and craftsmanship of you know someone who's just at the at the peak of his abilities, and who can just uh, not exactly knock it out. But you can tell he's not so much sweating over it; he just knows exactly what he's doing, and every line falls in place naturally. Yeah, it's just, it's just very fluid. Well, that's the I guess the comparison I read you make somewhere, kind of the French crumb. And, and that would be that context of, I guess, that... Fl- yeah, it's that true. Fl- Although, of course, Crum was always fluid. I mean, Crum always drew naturally. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, not, not sophisticated, but you always have that. Although, the Teddy's earlier work is, is a bit on the stiff side. I, mean, I think it's great. Uh, you'll see it uh, when you see... Uh, I don't know if we sent you PDF of it, or you see it work, but uh, the, uh, the You Are There, which is uh, more from the early 80s, mm-hmm. uh, there's, it's still a little, a little bit stiff and uh, somewhat labored. I mean, it's great work. It's, it's gorgeous work. Uh, but certainly is, uh, he's, he's using a different part of his brain, different part of his, of his hands. Now, his work seems to have a centralized theme of depression and desperation and death. Would that be a good... Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not cheerful work. Uh, <laughs> he's pretty much uh, like, well, I mean, like, like, like Celine, he has a, a people are no damn good kind of uh, approach yeah. to it. Uh, I mean, his main, his big subject... Uh, the sort of the, the, the gravity well around almost much of his work turns, of course, is World War One, which is this, you know, ghastly uh, wound in the middle from the beginning of the last century, from which almost all of the agonies of the entire world have spun since then. It's uh, a central thing. So he's not, uh, and as people who've read, like, I mean, Manhattan was about suicide, and uh, Killer was pretty depressed as well. Uh, he definitely. Walks on the dark side. There's not a lot of cheerful comedies uh, in it. Uh, so probably the most light footed is the available sex stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of more or less of a parody. But uh, but yeah, and that's also why I think he works so naturally in the, the really dark noir detective mode. Now, uh, but I, I love that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's great, and, it, me. and I think it's important for people to read like in contrast with other. Mm-hmm noir stuff I mean when you read this and then you look at like a a Sin City I mean yeah yeah <laughs> no no comment need made 
I'm actually I'm actually uh, uh, a fan of the Sin City movie, and I like the first Sin City book to uh, to a degree. Uh, I have problems with, with Miller's art all the time, but I thought the first one worked. But yeah, but his is really so over the top. Uh, well, you parody. can you can find a point when he's doing the books where he loses it, and yeah, I mean, there is yeah, like there's a, so the early stuff. I agree, is, it's really good. The first, I like the first probably three books, and then it starts degenerating very swiftly. Right, right. I, I stopped reading it myself, but, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I agree with you there. But, uh, but, but I think Teddy is. Teddy has found a sweet spot. In fact, uh, my understanding is that uh, he's planning on doing a trilogy of the most best work. And so after uh, after finishing the World War I uh, book he's doing right now, he's going to plunge right into uh, a story called uh, Nada, which is another one of Mosset's classics. And I even heard just last week that he's thinking going to go straight into the third one, uh, I think which was the last one he completed, uh, both of which are about killers trying to retire, and both of which have some great set pieces. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, one of the reasons I brought up Celine is I'm presuming he was a pretty big influence on Tardy, like, especially yeah. aesthetically mm -hmm. about... Yeah, especially his politics, but yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go there. <laughs> right. Um, but the, the, the distaste for people, almost. Yes, yeah. I, I think that's true, yes. As I said, I mean, I think a lot of the philosophy is, you know, people are no damn good. And uh, which is, I think that's, I think valid yeah. <laughs> when you're in a certain mood. He's, one of the books he did in France was a very visual um, accompaniment to one of the Celine's books. Was it Death in the Solomon Plan? I think it was. Uh, he's actually done a couple of them, yeah. Uh, I think it was uh, Death in the Solomon Plan was one, and uh, I'm thinking of the other one, especially because I probably know it under the French title, so I'd have to like, remember that. Journey to the End the of the Night. Was. Okay. Journey to the End of the Night? I believe so, yeah. I think that's the other one, yes. There we go. Now, were those... Those were just illustrated novels, right? They weren't... Exactly. They printed, they printed the Celine's novels verbatim, and he just uh, did illustrations that they inserted. Very interesting to see, to, to kind of get the visuals from what Celine was describing, because it's a very violent, right. horrible yeah, world. Yeah. I remember reading... Yeah, yeah the doctor walking through the streets and the bodies and everything. It's lovely stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now... Yeah, because then, then Tardy tells... And I remember Tardy telling an anecdote that when he was, he was putting out those books uh, that uh, the journalists were asking uh, that uh, if, uh, if those collaborations with Celine that it was being signed if he could bring her along with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sad. That that happens. Um, in I was looking, you know, through the through the tardies I have, like I said, in Raw Book Two, Volume Two, that story. Um, the guillotine story. The basket case. Yeah, yeah. That seems a touch into the madness, which I found really fascinating in comparison with his other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the. Uh, right. Yeah. Is that? normal for him, or was that kind of a different story? Well, it's interesting because uh, although he is, you know, to a very great degree, you know, a, a singular auteur uh, with a very, very consistent uh, view, is he doesn't write that much of his own work. Mm -hmm. uh, almost all of his either adaptations or uh, or stuff that's been written for him by other either writers or cartoonists like uh, Mossad or like uh, Jean-Claude Forrest, so you are there. And Basket Case and, in fact, Manhattan 
and for that matter, uh, War of the Trenches are, are one of the rare instances where he himself was writing them. Uh, but yeah, his uh, the, the surreal dream type work uh, that is a a natural uh, I think I think a natural component of his work. I've seen that in a lot of it. It also turns up in the other Wolfsack stories and uh, some of the uh, his earlier work. It's very it's uh, it's vintage, it's undiluted party, definitely. Yeah, and that's the thing I found fascinating. Like, there's this one character, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to describe him, the weird, mm-hmm. uh, kind of baby-esque old man in a chair. Yeah, he's a recurring character also. That's Is he? Oh, that's... He's got, uh, he's, he has, uh, there's, he's got a certain iconography, and uh, there's the old, there's the, uh, old mad you know, sometimes scientists, depraved person in a wheelchair, and there's, you know, the, uh, uh, the skinny anarchist hero, and uh, he's, got, he's got his gallery characters, definitely. Well, I recognize the one guy um, with the glasses, the old scientist, I guess, from the mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the strips and raw, the, just the three panels, right? Was that the same character? Oh, the little short... Uh, yeah, there's like, a little, there's like a little short story. Yeah. Yeah, a little short story. I think... I think I actually just run, stumbled across that, but he apparently just sat down and just doodled out a whole sequence of panels in the story in mind, uh, just, to, just for fun, and they must have shown it to Spiegelman, Spiegelman had edited down to that little half page, and then I think they had uh, Bob Sikoriak write copy for it, and it just it was just like this little strange thing, but that's definitely almost straight out of Tardis Unconscious. <laughs> Wonderful. A doodle, as it were. Well, a better doodle than most people do for finished work. Yeah, yeah. Now, the... Absolutely. The interesting thing about the War in the Trenches is, from the chapters I've read, it's not necessarily narrative, like a straight narrative. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a combination. It's, uh, it's some of it is uh, just incident, uh, and uh, some of it then is uh, just historical overview, and it's, it's very fluid. It's hard to describe. Uh, there's no real structure to it per se. There's no continuing characters. There's one character is another character. Sometimes even quite. It becomes like. Almost like the narration sounds like one, one soldier. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's, they're different soldiers, but all the same soldier. It's a very challenging one. It was done over a period of years. Uh, he did he did pieces of it here and pieces of it there. It wasn't all done in one sequence. Uh, so that's probably part of it. But it does it does cohere eventually. It, it's more of a kind of a universe, like yeah, it, it, it's universal. It, it doesn't yeah. tell the story of any one person. It tells the story of it's almost. To some degree, it's almost like a documentary in that yeah. sense. That it'll follow one character and follow another character and give his voice, and then the, the narrator uh, will also supply the information that wouldn't necessarily be coming from a single uh, soldier's voice. Which is something I, I really love seeing, and I'm kind of surprised you don't see it more in comics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you're really taking advantage of the visual component where mm-hmm. you are link- everything's linked together in this yeah. same world and I think like the only well, yeah. one I can really think of is yeah. like it, it's, it's, not, it's not really dissimilar to uh, some of the stuff that Sacco was doing except that uh, there is no like personalized narrator yeah. like Sacco or interviewer it's like uh, it's almost like uh, uh, you know Palestine with a Sacco surgically removed from it yeah it's just the people telling their own stories and then uh, the narrator filling in the blanks which I don't know if that would necessarily flow as well if you pulled Joe out of. No, work. no, no. Joe's definitely character His 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 reactions to people and what he gets out of them is uh, that's definitely the way to go there. It's structurally, it's very similar. Yes. 
In fact, I got a, I got a blurb from a Joe for uh, it was a war of the trenches because I figured they're definitely simpatico. Yeah, I'm sure he he probably read all the raws at one point. Um, <laughs> it was fascinating when I was talking about raw, like when I was going through it and noticing that in the first raw you've got the Manhattan and then it's followed up by the Swart strip, and mm-hmm. it's like interesting that those are two two really two projects that you're focusing on as far as like reprinting foreign editions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly Spiegelman had impeccable taste. Yeah. Uh, there's no there's no denying that. And uh, to some degree, uh, anything that was uh, good in the 80s in Europe, he grabbed and put into law. And we're still sort of following the footsteps there. But yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Lottavano così come si gioca I cuccioli del maggio era normale Loro avevano il tempo Anche per la galera Ad aspettarli fuori rimaneva La stessa rabbia La stessa primavera Même si le mois de mai Ne vous a guère touché Même s'il n'y a pas eu De manif dans votre rue Même si votre voiture N'a pas été incendiée Même si vous vous en foutez Chacun de vous est concerné Même si vous avez faim De croire qu'il ne se passait rien Quand dans le pays entier Les usines s'arrêtaient Même si vous n'avez rien fait Pour aider ceux qui luttaient Même si vous vous en foutez Chacun de vous est concerné Même si vous avez fermé Votre porte à notre nez Une nuit que nous avions Les CRS au talon Si vous nous avez laissé Matraquer sur le palier Même si vous vous en foutez Chacun de vous est concerné Même si dans votre ville Tout est resté bien tranquille Sans pavé, sans barricade Sans blessé, sans grenade Même si vous avez gobé Ce que disait la télé Même si vous vous en foutez Chacun de vous est concerné Même si vous croyez maintenant Que tout est bien comme avant Parce que vous avez voté L'ordre et la sécurité Même si vous ne voulez pas Que bientôt on remette ça 
même si vous vous en foutez. Chacun de vous est concerné. And, and the interesting part that I'm wondering about is that idea of knowing what works for the American audience. Because one thing I've talked to the other folks about, just not on the radio, but was is the idea that just because something sells big in Europe doesn't mean it's going to be huge in the States. Like, yeah, I, I I'm, 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 yeah, I'm honestly quite worried about that the second part of the book we're doing, You Are There, because it's universally considered a uh, masterpiece in uh, Europe. <laughs> so, far, every, so far, everyone I've shown it to uh, in the U.S. has not liked it. Uh, they've either find it tedious to plow through or just sort of been mystified by it. Yeah. And uh, I went through a, a couple of weeks of worrying if they had completely blown it with the translation, but eventually my ego surfaced back up and I thought, no, it's a great translation. If they aren't getting it, it's because, you know, there's just some sort of gulf between the American and French sensibility or because they're all stupid, I don't know. <laughs> I wish it would be Maybe the Canadians will meet us halfway. There we go. We'll like it. Yeah. All, uh, but, uh, all 20 of us. But I, uh, yeah. But certainly I suspect, uh, and uh, all indications so far are that, that uh, something like West Coast Blues, a noir, which after all is very much intensely derived from uh, Amer from American crime fiction anyway, is going to uh, go down very smoothly in the U.S. And I also think that it was, it was a war of the trenches will. So that's what I'm confident about. But, uh, but part of the reason is I've been, I've been sort of alternating between like the more universal and the more French stuff. And I did want to remind people, you know, hey, he really is French. And and the You Are There is about the Frenchiest French you can get. Yeah. Well, I think it, it is fascinating kind of knowing what the market is you're dealing with. Because, like, I see, like, I see why Bilal doesn't work at North America. I love Bilal, but yeah, you know it's yeah. not going to work here. You look here and it's like, it's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and you can see why, you know, the the, uh, the Valerian, the Nazir stuff doesn't work, because it's just, it's just too cartoony. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 I think uh, comics, French comics have a really, uh, some of them have a really tough road to hoe, because there's a certain tradition of uh, stylization and cartooniness that Americans just aren't familiar with, and I think they just can't get past that. Yeah. And if there's some cartoonists that, uh, to an American eye, the work just looks Shaped and bizarre and sort of distasteful, uh, and it's uh, that one, that's a tough barrier. Uh, and I think I mean I think Tardy gets past that no problem. I think I mean Swart does get past that because he's Hergé. He's amazing. Hergé has Hergé has become part. I mean the Americans understand and enjoy Hergé. And there are other modern European cartoonists like uh, Jason, for instance, yeah. or Louis Trondheim, who are, uh, or for that matter, Max Anderson, who are uh, sort of. Uh, International enough that uh, they can they can make that leap. That, or uh, GP. I'm sorry. Or GP. GP. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. He's one of my favorites right now. I mean, all his mm -hmm. books have just been some of the best yeah, books yeah. coming out recently. His work is gorgeous. I mean, I suspected I suspected Swart is going to survive on the art because uh, the uh, uh, the stories are so eccentric and uh, Eurocentric, and they're very much rooted in the 70s of uh, of not necessarily linear, the more satirical. I'm sure that uh, Americans will be scratching their heads over a lot of it, but uh, you can just sort of like bask in the art. Does he still do comics? No. Uh, <laughs> very, very rarely. They'll get to do like, you know, one or two pages of some little project, but uh, he's, he's really past the comics at this point. I don't think he has anything else he needs to say, and 
I mean, if you're, if you're being hired to design, uh, you know, cathedrals or whatever, or museums, <laughs> then I can see why maybe comics would take a backseat. Well, he just... I mean, his total, his total comics output of the, you know, quote-unquote adult comics really is less than 150 pages in his entire career. Yeah. Uh, there's probably about, I'd say, twice that much of his kids' comics, uh, a lot of which has never been republished, uh, which is interesting, too. Uh, we did uh, a story in measles, uh, but... Uh, yeah, for one of the great, he may be, you know, of the great cartoonists, you know, the one who did the least actual cartooning. Well, it's just that, I I, I think uh, maybe he can rest on the laurels of just that one cover for, I think it was at Raw number two. Yes, yes, that uh, that alone, you could build a reputation on it. You know, maybe, maybe be like Will Eisner, and he'll retire, and then say, hey, I'll go and, like, I'll do comics now. <laughs> one can hope, one can hope. But that's not going to be for quite a while yet, that we see the... Well, he's got to be in his 60s. The, the, uh, the, the, I mean, the Swart Collection. Oh, the Swart Collection? Oh, oh, not for a while. Uh, yeah, uh, well, it's supposed to be about two or three years ago. And what we're waiting for is that he has all the original art and all the original film music to convert that into digital files. Mm. And uh, I, I love Swart, and I say this with love, but uh, every time I've asked him about when we're going to get the digital file for the last three years, the answer has always been two months from now. <laughs> and uh, it's been two months now for that long, and uh, I keep on sitting here and waiting patiently for it. And eventually, he'll come through with it, and it'll be great. So yeah. no harm, no foul. But uh, I just I want to make it clear that this is not one that we screwed up. And the graphics has uh, you know made a lot of books very late on their own, but this one here, we are at the beck and call of Mister Ford. It's it's waiting for perfection. I mean, it was supposed to premiere la- at last year's SPX. Oh, really? When he was there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, three or four months before SPX, so yeah, you know. I'll get you the files in two months. I said, great, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sigh. Yeah. Wonderful. But I, just heard, I just heard that uh, Chris Wood's going to write the introduction to the fourth book, so that's cool, too. Oh, nice, nice. His uh, his introduction to the um, to the Moriarty book was pretty fantastic. Yeah, although he said it was the best, it was the best uh, collection of comics ever published, so I guess now he's, uh, he's stuck with that. He can't, <laughs> he can't go beyond that. Nothing will meet that. Right, but, right. It's uh, it's quite a, a ominous uh, term to put onto something. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to live up to. It's now, a great book. It is. It is. Yeah, go ahead. I, I no, I, it, it is great. I actually got a chance to talk to talk to Jerry a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it was uh, he's quite an interesting guy. A lot to a lot to and, say about. And you'll note, uh, and you'll note that uh, that was another discovery of Art Siegelman and Rob. Yep. Yep. Well, exactly. And for that matter, so was Chris Ware, really. Yeah, his, his earliest stuff appeared in Raw, so uh, not counting Floyd Farland. <laughs> yeah, we try not to count that, but no. yeah, um, n- no one needs to look at it. <laughs> What's the future plan with the Tardy Collections? Okay, um, well, obviously the we released now West Coast Blues and You Are There. Uh, West Coast Blues is out and You Are There will be out next month. Uh, we've contacted for announced, and I've finished translating You Are the War. Uh, I'm sorry, The War of the Trenches which will be coming out uh, early next year. Uh, after that, the most likely thing we're probably going to be doing is a book called uh, New York Monamuro, uh, which is basically the uh, rope killer that NBN did, plus Manhattan, plus two other New York-based short stories. Oh, fantastic. I think that's a, think that's a, really, that's a, that's a strong book, and uh, it would be nice to get Manhattan back into print, and also be nice to get those two other stories. 
And to be frank, I think that the New York angle is going to help uh, in terms of uh, selling. Just because, you know, hey, Americans go, hey, hey, you know, it's, it's New York. It's New York. Well, that's something I noticed, uh, is he loves New York, and he constantly refers to, or at least a couple of different stories, he refers to Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a big he's a big Scorsese fan, uh, definitely. Uh, oh, I don't... I mean, when was the last time Scorsese, Scorsese did the movie in New York? But, uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> he's definitely, uh, you know, Taxi Driver is clearly also a seminal influence. Uh, Tardy is a big movie fan. In fact, he did he did a movie review column for, uh, uh, for a couple of years where... Uh, he would go and see uh, movies with a friend of his, and the uh, and uh, the friend would write the copy, and then he would uh, do a drawing for it that would, you know, seriously comment on it. Uh, I have a book collection; it's it, it's pretty great. <laughs> that sounds it's, great. There's an, aw- there's, an aw- there's an awesome one they did a singular voice that has a drawing of uh, of dinosaurs marching, uh, with wearing wearing uh, Nazi armbands. <laughs> Oh. They, 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 they sounded tacky, but, but yes. Uh, so, but anyway, so that was, that's going to be uh, almost certainly book four, and uh, partly out of laziness, I suspect that book five will be Fog Over Tolbiac Grid, the uh, Lower Malay story that we serialized, because that way I'll have uh, uh, one that I've already translated, you know, I can just have someone read letter and be done with it. Mm-hmm. And it's also one of the ones I really like. After that, you know, the size of the limit, uh, we're totally the idea of, of, of pulling out the Adel Blancet material again, um, especially, of course, if it's going to be a series of movies, you know, that would be a very good way of doing that. Uh, but uh, God knows there's no shortage of uh, SRD stuff. And certainly also, if he does go on with his plan of doing uh, one or two more Monset books right after uh, what he's doing now, then I'd like to go in and do those as soon as possible. So I suspect that uh, the, uh, the Cardi Monset duo is uh, going to uh, you know, appeal to people. Mm-hmm. That's so quite definitely no, no shortage of stuff. And the uh, the um, other one, the was it you are here? Not you are here. It's you are there. You are there. You are there. Yeah. You are here is another. And I'll book. tell you that was a tough one to translate that title. It's, it's a very it's a very elaborate pun involving the character's name and the history of it. Uh, it, it took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are there is the title. And that one's written by Foray. Jean Claude Forrest. Forrest. Yeah. Uh, okay. The guy who the guy who created Barbarella. Yeah, which is fascinating. Uh, which, yeah, which, uh, uh, he's actually much better than his reputation, because his reputation kind of rests on uh, the movie. <laughs> uh, which is, which is a bit like, uh, although it's a better movie, it's a bit like, you know, Steve Gerber's reputation resting on the Howard the Duck movie. Yeah. You know, it's not at all the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Forrest was a fascinating guy. He was actually, you know, a real, real smart, real funny, you know, real sophisticated writer, you know, with a, with a really wonderful graphic style, and, uh, and a really first-rate writer, I think, too. Um, funny and uh, very satirical. Yeah, you were there. You were originally created. You, you wanted to do the movie script. You wrote the movie script. You got turned down by you know every you know every director. Then he went and proposed the graphic novel. And got turned down by every graphic you know by every cartoonist. And so you landed on Tardy. And the funny thing is that ultimately uh, it seems like a completely perfect match. Yeah. Uh, you could never imagine it having been drawn by anyone else or having created anything other than as a graphic novel. And it really was one of the first. Uh, one of the first real graphic novels in France and therefore anywhere in terms of being a completely individual, non-series, non-genre wrapped up in one story, very long book. It was a book. Uh, it was serialized. <laughs> no, uh, but I everything mean... was, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it, was, it was serialized uh, in uh, in a magazine called Astrival in the early 80s. So it was originally designed to create this graphic novel type thing. 
but it was really one of the very first that uh, that, that did it to the hilt. I mean, the other so-called graphic novels before that were really, you know, ongoing until a uh, uh, serial that would just chop into graphic novel five things, you know, like uh, like Tintin books or blueberries or asterisks or whatever. Uh, or they were like really genre fiction. Yeah. Which, which, one isn't. which those are, in a way, genre fiction. I mean, blueberries are western. Oh, of course they are. Yeah. I mean, that's just in a way. They are. They are genre <laughs> fiction. Period. Uh, I mean, all the, all the French, uh, all the uh, Franco-Belgian comics up until like seventies or eighties was genre fiction, and uh, then even when it went into the more adult work, uh, aside from the, the U.S. underground inspired satire, it was still genre fiction. It was just genre fiction uh, with uh, breath. <laughs> like Barbarella. Yeah. Now, do you uh, see any other? Uh Translated works in the future. Uh, if they hide my brothers, you know, you putting out something new every week. Um, <laughs> at the, but I can only do so much. as part of it. Uh, at the moment, um, uh, we're putting a finishing touches. Actually, I had I actually someone else translate this one uh, of a series, a three-part series called uh, King of the Flies uh, by two French cartoonists called Lizzo and Pyrrhus, which is a sort of somewhat. Uh, Charles Bernsian, somewhat David Lynchian uh, story about uh, inter- overlapping, intersecting lives in uh, this sort of every world suburb. Uh, really pretty fascinating, tricky work. Uh, the first one of those will be appearing toward the end of the year. That's a two-volume series we hope to be able to continue with. Of course, we're still publishing Jason uh, yeah. ongoing. That's uh, that's a regular. Oh, he's he's so international. I don't even all see, even think of him as a Norwegian cartoonist. Uh, we're in talks definitely with. Um, Lorenzo Matati. Oh, nice. Uh, he's, prepared, he's preparing, apparently, an enormous massive work uh, for 2011-2012 we'd like to do, and probably in preparation of that, maybe release a couple of his other books before that. The so Matati is definitely on my list. Like the Jekyll and Hyde? and Exactly, exactly. I'm actually more fo- a lot more fond of his black and white work than his color work. Mm-hmm. I love his line work, and so there's a, a really good book he did called Stigmata uh, that uh, I've had my eye on for a while, and it's just a matter of finding you know, time to do it. Uh, I also want to do more David D. releases. We're going to collect the uh, David D. stories we did in Rome, and we're talking about another book that he came out with recently. Um, and uh, I just stumbled across uh, this fantastic uh, Norwegian graphic novel by two cartoonists who did a biography of an early 20th century Norwegian cartoonist. Uh, and it's just magnificent. It's my, my, maybe my favorite graphic novel I've read in the last five years. Uh, it's very funny and, uh, and as far as I can tell, very accurate. The guy was a true eccentric, and they just completely go to town and they go around and they talk to his, uh, his uh, you know, surrounding members of his family and delve into it and do uh, you know talk about his history. And uh, that was just a matter of the sheer amount of labor involved in doing it. But that's definitely one that I have on my list to do, if not next year, then the year after that. Uh, I also want to go back and finish the week. Uh, Louis Trondheim did this autobiographical story. The first three. Oh yeah, half which we ran in, in the Nimrod. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, so that was, uh, the, literally the first three chapters of six we ran there, and then the Nimrod ran on the scene. But I want to go back in and translate the last three and release it as a book, also called uh, the Nimrod. Now you know why the, why the book is called the Nimrod, right? No. Yes, yeah, so no, nobody ever, nobody ever knows. Is it um, just a self-referential. I'll tell you, I had an argument uh, with Lewis when we were going to start uh, doing a uh, doing his comic, and I wanted to like have his name in the title, and he didn't. <laughs> and the Nimrod was a compromise. 
think about it. All right. So it is kind of self-referred. Maybe it's uh, <laughs> sores. Okay. Um, now, Mo. Okay, I'll 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 take out your misery. It's nanogram. Okay. The Nimrod's nanogram for Toronto. Yeah. I always expect that people would catch it, and uh, and virtually nobody caught it. So now, now I tell people, and, and I can hear, I can hear the sound of their foreheads, their flatheads going, "Oh my God!" Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, the, the, the book the book the book actually is called Tron Time, but the letters are scrambled. So it worked out real well because the Nimrod, you know, is sort of the self-deprecating aspect to it, as you know, people just think, you know, you referring yourself as a Nimrod, and then because of, of the biblical reference to Nimrod as you know as a hunter, he actually was drawing little little uh, logos, including the Nimrod as a hunter. So it got really really quite uh, quite muddled after a while. I, I was very pleased with it. We were able to hide our traces very well. But yeah, that'll, it'll probably be called the Nimrod. Mom, that pretty much that provides you a chance to be able to try out new work too, right? Like someone, a story. I'm sorry, say again, uh, Mom? Mom, it gives you a chance to use... Uh, to a degree, although the format's a little bit small, so and some of the work doesn't necessarily break down very conveniently in that format. But uh, yeah, it did. I mean, the, certainly the uh, uh, the three David B stories we were able to do, they, they, were, actually, they were actually designed for that format, because they were designed for the uh, uh, the of Latin, which is in that format to begin with. Okay. And as well as the Torrentine material. So some of we can do it with. And, and there was actually a, a short... Uh, about 40 to 50 page Tardis story that was drawn in the format that would work that way that we're sort of looking at and thinking and possibly uh, doing. And, and earlier I should mention that uh, there's a great cartoonist called Nicholas Mahler. Uh, yeah. They published a couple of, and uh, he did this hilarious set of uh, four to six page autobiographical stories about life as a cartoonist. And uh, we're, uh, the issue of Moments coming out, in fact, the issue of Moments premiering just, uh, uh, in a couple of days at SPX. Uh, is going to uh, well if it comes in we're still not quite sure it will has the first couple stories in his stuff is just freaking hilarious so is that, is I'm hoping to be able to uh, run uh, like uh, six or eight pages of that every issue of the moment from now on is that also going to be the one with the Dave Cooper story uh, no that's not that's not in there yet okay. that's going to be a couple of issues I got uh, the Eric uh, suddenly, yeah Eric suddenly had a rush uh, for a while he was having trouble filling up uh, the issues but suddenly he got a rush of cartoonists Partly, I think, because he started running the, the Ted Stern serial, which filled up a bunch. And yeah. so now he's actually had to move some things back. But the Cooper one, I believe, is going to be appearing in, I think, might be issue 18, which is going to be in 2010. I've got the, I picked up the French magazine that had it. It's fantastic. Right, right. I don't know if you've seen it. It's just Yeah, 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 amazing. I got a copy of it. Him hanging out with, uh, Pippin Norton hanging out with Mobius. It's uh, yep, yep. a nice <laughs> touch, so... Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Kim. Oh, you're most welcome. And if there's any other questions you have, you know, feel free to call and uh, just uh, send me an email letting you know, you know, when it's when it's going to be broadcast and uh, you know if there's if women uh, where people can uh, you know look it up on uh, the computer thingies. Yeah, yeah. I, I always will go from there. I always keep and the Oh, and I'm going to need to do one favor for me, and you can follow this up with email. Is maybe pick uh, three songs. Oh, a song. Three songs. Three songs. So think about it, and uh, send me an email. Okay, I'll try. I'll try to go French. Yeah, pick whatever you like. I know uh, before you picked the Franz Gall uh, when you were on. <laughs> <laughs> that was a right, wise right. choice. So anything, whatever <laughs> well, you feel. And, Pardon? And uh, did you, you uh, did you get a copy of West Coast Blues book? Uh, not. I've got West Coast Blues. I don't have the um, the other one yet. 
Because I guess you guys okay. haven't gotten it yet. Uh, yeah, the other one's coming in actually to Warehouse this uh, week, and I'll remember, I'll, I'll, I'll drop out a copy to you. And uh, if you want, I can also, when you email me, I can email you uh, access to a PDF of uh, the uh, the 99 Complete War of the Trenches. Oh, okay. Is it on, it's not on the uh, media server? Uh, it might actually be there. So okay. you can go and check it out. If it, if it is there, uh, then uh, you can feel free to look it up. Because I it, will. It's not quite right. It's just I'm still wrestling with some of the slang and uh, the whole kudos issue and everything. But it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty close. In the first half of it, I'm pretty pleased with it. I think it, it works well. So. so there you have it. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Kim. Yeah. 